Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, serving the New York City metropolitan area, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith. Now, please be sure to download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app so that you could have access to all of our station's content, not just the front line with Joe and Joe. And you don't have to just be in the Connecticut, New York area to hear the show. You could download the app and you can hear all our programming wherever you are. Uh, also, if you'd like to give us some feedback on station or Joe and Joe in particular, or any of our programming, you can visit VeritasCatholic.com, VeritasCatholic.com, and you can provide some feedback. And now, as always, <clears throat> excuse me, Joe and I are very grateful um, when you follow us on social media, Frontline TV on YouTube, the Frontline TV on YouTube, and also our website, TheFrontlineTV.com, TheFrontlineTV.com. And having said all that, <clears throat> Joe and I are very pleased and honored to be welcoming back to the program, Father Don Haggerty. And we are gonna be discussing his new book out by Ignatius Press, St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation. Now, many of you out there know who Father Haggerty is. Having said that, I wanna give a brief bio. Uh, Father Donald Haggerty, a priest of the Archdiocese of New York, has been a professor of moral theology at St. Joseph Seminary in New York, Mount St. Mary Seminary in Maryland. He has a long association as a spiritual director uh, for Mother Teresa's Missionaries of Charity. He travels the world giving retreats to Mother, Mother Teresa's sisters who are very close to his heart. Um, he spent years, uh, or he spent a lot of time and specifically his first year studying to be a priest for the MOCs before deciding to become a diocesan priest. He's also the author of the books, Contemplative Hunger and Contemplative Provocations. Now this is what Dan Burke, who was the president of the Avila Institute for Spiritual Formation had to say about Father Haggerty's book, quote, a clear and practical guide to St. John of the Cross, most important and most often misunderstood teachings. I am aware of no better book in English on this topic than this one, close quote. Father Donald Haggerty, welcome back to the front line with Joe and Joe. Thank you very much, Joe and Joe. <laughs> You're welcome. Father, would, before we get into the conversation, would you lead us in prayer? Sure. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. And we ask for the presence and the help of our Blessed Mother, of St. Joseph, and of our Lord Jesus Christ, and of the Holy Spirit in our conversation. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mary Mother, of, Mother God, of God, pray, pray for, for us sinners in now and in the hour of our death. Our death. Amen. amen. Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray, pray, for, pray us. for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you for that, Father. Father, I so gotta, I gotta be Hello, honest. Ahead. Um, I'm about halfway done with your book. Um, I was very uh, eager to start it because I have read one book in my life on John of the Cross, and I didn't know what the heck I was reading. I'm just going to be completely honest with you. <laughs> so your book is 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 been helping me, um, but it's challenged me so, to be honest with you. Um, and I want to you know air out some of the concepts that you put out there uh, because to be honest with you, I've never really looked at some of these things in the way that you presented them, and I think our listeners will benefit from it. But I think a good place to start is, um, who is John of the Cross? I mean, he's looked at, first of all, he's a doctor of the church. People call him the mystical doctor, and supposedly, um, in, in many people's you know minds, uh, he's the premier teacher of contemplative prayer in the Catholic tradition. So could you uh, just give us a brief, you know, background on, uh, Saint, you know, St. John of the Cross? Well, it's good to be uh, aware. St. John of the Cross is a contemporary of St. Teresa of Avila. You know, he lived in the 1500s. 
That's the century of the Protestant Reformation. It's also the century of St. Ignatius of Loyola, who predates John of the Cross a bit. And he was part of the Carmelite reform that was initiated by St. Teresa of Avila. She had become a cloistered Carmelite. Uh, she was about 25 years uh, older than him. And Teresa's experience in the Carmel of Avila was that they had, in a sense, descended into a somewhat lax period in the Carmelite life, and she wanted to revitalize it, had had some mystical experiences with our Lord, and had begun that reform. And when John of the Cross was ordained uh, at 25 years old, he was born in 1542, so he's ordained and just a few weeks ordained, he met St. Teresa of, of Avila, who had already been involved in the reform of the Carmelite sisters uh, for about five years at that point. And she wanted to, to extend the reform to the men's branch of the Carmelites. And she uh, was very you know, happy to meet this newly ordained John of the Cross and and invited him to be part of the new reform of the men's branch. And with another older priest, uh, he began that reform. So that was the beginning. It's good to be conscious. These were then companions in serious, you know, spiritual life, Teresa of Avila and John of the Cross. And even despite the 25-year difference in age, uh, she had a great respect for him, apparently, and even his early holiness of, of, of being in some way. And, uh, and so his contact and involvement with the Carmelite cloistered sisters of that reform also became a major factor in his writing. And he was a poet. In fact, he's read still in Spanish universities as one of the classic poets of that period. And much of his writing then, he has four major treatises. Some of the writing then is commentary on the poems as a starting place for his, his writing. And much of it is clearly, it's also instructing, commenting from his experience with these sisters, also his friars, as that reform continued, and instructing, you know, others about this road, this long road and journey to God is that that's part of the interior life of prayer and of deeper spirituality. So just a last comment, he's, a, he's considered, yes, the mystical doctor, but he's not simply writing about his mystical experience, actually not at all. What he's writing on is his, what he learned from the sometimes the difficulties, the impediments, the struggles that, you know, regular, serious spiritual people will undergo on this uh, path to God. So he's a great, to me, a very great teacher on of, spir of serious spirituality. And as I mentioned in the book, sorry not to interrupt, but, mm -hmm. but I mentioned in the book that St. Therese of Lisieux, who so many of your listeners know and perhaps many pray to and have received favors from, but St. Therese of Lisieux makes a comment at one point that between the age of 19 and 21, in her short life, she died at 24, that she read him continually in those two years. And after reading him over those two years, she found nothing in spiritual reading that could match that. And the influence of, of John of the Cross on her was, was great. What Father Don Haggerty joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo, Joe Racinello, in the picture with discussing Father's new book, St. John of the Cross, Master of, Con uh, of Contemplation. Father, how did you personally discover the teachings of John of the Cross? What, what drew you to him in particular? Well, you mentioned uh, initially, Joe, that I had joined the men's branch of the Missionaries of Charity. And when I did join, there was a, a Spanish priest uh, who was part of that early group, Father Christopher Hartley, who is now in Sudan as a, uh, a missionary, not with the order, but uh, as a priest there. 
And he um, had been trained in Toledo, Spain, and his own spiritual director loved St. John of the Cross. So that was my initial um, uh, exposure to St. John of the Cross. And then in my first year in the seminary, I persuaded one of the faculty members, a former rector, to do a private study in my second semester, first year, on Pope John Paul II's book, his doctoral dissertation, which had been published by Ignatius Press, Faith According to St. John of the Cross. And that, that dissertation spends a lot of time on what I spent a third chapter on in this book, the second book of the Ascent of Mount Carmel and St. John of the Cross's important teaching on the effect of faith on the intellect. So that got me hooked. And then I, I have continued to read him and some passages I probably have read dozens of times over the years. I've used quotes of him, you know, in retreats in the Missionaries of Charity for, for many, many years now. So I, I love him. I think he's, I think he has passages that you can read over and over again, like the gospel in that way and gain new insight, you know, as we go on reading him. I'm not. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to hand it back over to um, to Joe Rasinello, Father Don Haggerty, joining us here at the front line. Um, I find that this this should be a fruitful conversation for all those listening to us, and for myself personally. And even Joe mentioned challenges. A lot of times, it's very difficult, given all our distractions, to go deeper. Some people don't know how to go deeper. I'm one of them. Okay, so yeah, when Joe's done, he's going to send me your book, and I'm <laughs> I'm going to make sure uh, I'm going to make sure that I read it because I think that's a, a stumbling block for a lot of people. So I'm happy we're having this conversation. I hope we can get into maybe some practical ways people can start to um, begin the, the, the process of deepening their, their, their spiritual life um, outside of what we, we normally do as Catholics. With that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand it over to Joe. Father, in the beginning of the book, you talk about the hidden place of the beloved, how God is hidden and his voice is small, that we, that we in turn must become hidden in order to find him explore that idea a little bit because obviously we know god is hidden but i think sometimes we don't focus on becoming hidden that's something i'll be truthful with you in my first encounter with the missionaries of charity they lived the life of mary which is hidden mary was a hidden person same with saint joseph um and they were as close to Jesus as you get. So talk about that aspect, uh, both from the, the hidden place of God to our response to that, to going into that hidden place in order to find him. Well, this, you know, major um, uh, uh, truths that, you know, you're um, alluding to here. And one of the great sections of St. John of the Cross is I open up the book with this uh, in the spiritual canticle of St. John of the Cross, which was originally a poem written by him during his imprisonment, during the difficulties in the reform of the Carmelites. He was kidnapped and kept in a, actually a converted closet in, the, in, a, in a monastery of the Carmelites who were resenting at that time the reform of the Carmelites. And he composed this spiritual canticle, which is modeled somewhat on the, the Song of Songs of the Old Testament. And that poem begins with this, this uh, stanza, where have you hidden beloved and left me moaning? You fled like the stag after wounding me. I went out calling you and you were gone. And the first you know, thing to be uh, aware of with St. John of the Cross and even our own spiritual life is the reality of, in a way, in falling in love with God, if that can take place in our life, we are loving a God who remains always, in a sense, one step beyond us in hiding. And we have this experience with the Eucharist, you know, in a very regular manner in our lives, the disguise of our God himself under the appearance of a host, the fragility of what looks like nothing, and yet is the fullness of God in the incarnation. And this plays out throughout the spiritual life, the hiddenness 
of God to our soul, the kind of rhythm, you know, the instability of our encounters with God in prayer and as we, you know, go on in life. And John of the Cross will also then, you know, speak of the importance of ourselves, as the gospel says, you know, losing ourself then, losing attention, you know, on ourselves in our external life of, of generosity and whatever we're doing, but also in the interior life of prayer, which is a hard task. If we take prayer seriously, many people, it seems, many people will look for experiences in prayer. They want something they can hold on to as an experience of God. St. John of the Cross will be insisting on, on the importance of losing the self there also, you know, forgetting self, you know, turning our attention toward our Lord, you know, leaving the self aside, letting go of the self in some manner. And you know, we, we mentioned the missionaries of charity, you know, the sister who can really find the presence of our Lord in the poorest of the poor which he says, you know, is real in the gospel. What you do to the least of my brothers, you do to me. The sister who will find his real presence there is also the person who in that hour on that day is really, you know, in a way completely unconcerned with self, turning herself toward the other in, in an attentive way. So that hiddenness of God, you know, plays out throughout the spiritual life, and it's also part of the purification and, and suffering, in a way, of the spiritual life. And where have you hidden after wounding me? I went out calling you, and you were gone. This seeming absence of God, which is actually a, a hiding of God from us in some manner. You, you also talk about uh, and this is something that uh, St. John of the Cross focuses on extensively, are caverns of the soul, um, how there are caverns of longing within each soul. Now, I, I, I guess like we've all to a degree, sometimes as we journey towards our Lord, find that there is deeper places to go. Um, but I guess the idea is we have to tap into those caverns. Talk a little bit about that, because it kind of almost seems to me like I, I just could relate it from a, the physical perspective as like a dad. Like, like I have five kids. Um, I didn't know I could do that, actually, to be honest with you. And, and But God did. So he gave me five kids. Do you know what I'm saying? But there's aspects of that, I guess, in the soul There's that we just don't touch that 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 are there for us kind of I, if, unless i'm just saying it wrong or, or kind of paralleling it incorrectly talk about this idea of caverns well, well john of the cross uses that image again it's from one of his poems in this case the poem the living flame of love and he uses the image of caverns to speak specifically of the um, faculties of intellect will and memory which in his treatment are the place, so to speak, the place where the theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity reside. And not to speak too abstractly here, but you know, that, that's a central teaching, not of John of the Cross, but of spiritual theology, going back to St. Thomas Aquinas, that as an example, the intellect you know, is a faculty of our human soul, and theological faith, you know, when we have supernatural faith as Catholics, we not only believe in things and we say, yes, I do believe as we pray the creed on a Sunday, but the reality is that theological faith then begins to permeate, you know, have effects on the intellect itself. And the image of the cavern is that John of the Cross will say, the faculty of the intellect has, in a sense, a vast, you know, almost infinite depth to it because it's capable of being uh, filled by God. So the intellect, the will can be, in a way, 
almost infinitely filled by the presence of God in supernatural charity. And John of the Cross will use in his schema that the memory can be almost, you know, infinitely filled by the presence of, of God through theological hope. So it's, it's a particular, you know, um, means that John of the Cross is saying that these faculties are purified, emptied over time, the more the person is giving themselves over to God, that we have this kind of vast depth within us that we don't realize precisely in, in these faculties. Father Don Haggerty joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. We're way in the breach. We're talking about his new book, St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation. Father, there's so much there. I don't know what I want to ask you. Let me see if I could go in this direction. You talked about losing yourself. Not easy, right? Especially with all the distractions we suffer in our society to try to lose yourself and trust God, make yourself hidden in the way you say. Obviously, to achieve this, I guess John of the Cross would call it a mystical union with God, okay? So I would ask um, to maybe let's like define terms. The, the mystical union we're, 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 we're seeking to achieve ends with, I'm assuming, the beatific vision. That's what we hear. Define, if you would, those terms. Or do, Am I actually even stating it correctly? We hide ourselves because we're seeking God. We want mystical union with God so that we can achieve the beatific vision. Is that, am I saying that right? I mean, I, I, I would say it a little bit differently. You know, I, I don't think it's good to, um, to, I don't think it's good to read St. John of the Cross and with the thought that he will help me pursue a mystical aspiration. Um, and I would not say that mystical union is the goal of life, that supernatural union with God is the goal. And there are many saints who had nothing of mystical life, which is really a, a, uh, a more extraordinary gift that sometimes God, in for whatever reason, might give in some periods of a person's life. As an example, St. Therese of Lisieux may have had no mystical experience. So she didn't have mystical union with God, but she had great sanctity and supernatural union with God. And John of the Cross, in one, one statement, he will say, you know, supernatural union exists, you know, is present in a person. Supernatural union exists when the human will and God's will are in conformity. So nothing in the one is repugnant to the other. And that's really the goal, you know, to become one with God. That's what a saint is. They became really one with God, surrendered to God. They belonged to God. They had a deep interior sense of belonging to God, and they let themselves be used by God. You know, they became, you know, amenable, open, accessible to whatever he wanted. Mm -hmm. So the goal is not really to have to cross into something extraordinary in the life, but to become, you know, one with God. And beatific vision, you know, awaits us in the next life. That's one of the realities of heaven. And since we have not been in heaven, we don't know what that beatific vision is. But certainly it's, you know, we speak of the vision of God in that. Beatific means, you know, it's the root word for happiness. So the, our vision will change as we become, you know, in a sense, divinized in that reality of heaven one day. But that's the goal we wait for, you know, after the threshold of death is crossed. Thank you for that, Father Don Haggerty. I appreciate you clarifying, clarifying the terms for us. Joe Resinello, we have about four or five minutes before the break. You, you use this phrase in the book, the purification of the will for love alone. And this is something, I'll be honest with you, I've never read ever. And, and I, I found it fascinating and challenging. You say, don't rely on the intellect. Don't rely on spiritual fruits. If I'm getting this wrong, please let me know uh, that God has already given you. 
abandon these things and grope for God in the hiddenness of his existence. And I think it's very easy for us um, to, you know, we've all been given some spiritual gifts. Faith is a gift, but we hold on to those gifts. But you're basically saying, and again, if I'm, I'm incorrect, please correct me, that it's beyond those gifts that God exists, that they hinder us when we hold on to those gifts, that we have to look beyond into the hiddenness, to the nothingness, and that's where we really find God. Am I articulating that correctly? Well, I might put it in a little different way because uh... – you know, we all we have to take the reality of our spiritual life, you know, in, in its present moment. And I don't, I'm not, I don't think I would use the phrase not to rely on the intellect because it's not that we, uh, you know, we do have to approach God with our feet on the ground and, you know, reading scripture, reading the gospel, you know, is we have the, the sacred words of our Lord there, who, which can us in the present moment what john of the cross is teaching and we alluded to it a little bit in regard to the theological virtue of faith and its effect on the intellect he's saying that you know and he will say this strongly something that we don't often perhaps encounter we're not going to hear it probably in a sunday sermon but the reality of god the infinitude of god you know, this God who is the creator, who existed, you know, before creation as a trinity, you know, the one God of three persons, this God, as John of the Cross will say, and there are others, you know, who will have said this even from the fathers of the church, St. Thomas Aquinas will say that God is incomprehensible, that he is ungraspable, he is John of the Cross will say he's inaccessible to our interior experience, meaning he's, yes, he's always beyond. But that doesn't mean that we just jump into the middle of an ocean from the shoreline. You know, it's more that, you know, we're on a shoreline and we may have to get into a boat and row a bit, you know, and then in time, you know, then the current can begin to take us into deeper waters. And the need for, it's good for, you know, anybody listening, it's good for me. When we're praying, we almost always need, you know, initial bridges, you know, to cross into a greater encounter with our Lord. So I think what does happen in prayer, it, it simplifies more over time. You know, if we take some silence in prayer as a daily practice, it does become more simplified, maybe not simple, but simplified. We need less, you know, scriptural passages to get the spark, you know, inflamed again in that longing for God. And the reality is that God is beyond us. You know, there's a phrase I used it in... Divine Mercy Sunday, when we these um, these accounts of the gospel and Jesus showing his wounds, and there's a great phrase not in Saint John of the Cross but in Saint Bernard, where Bernard will say much of the spiritual life is to pass through the wounds of his humanity into the infinite mystery of his divine love, and that's a great you know reality of this. We we don't throw away the reality of our lord his words the intellect has to engage you know some of this yes these things these realities but we we are passing through them not passing beyond them but passing through them into the infinite mystery of god you know we can look at a host in a monstrance and we are meant in some manner to lean toward that deeper reality of infinite love in which we kneel in front of his presence. Thank you for that, Father Don Haggerty. We're going to take a quick break. Father, the book is St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation. Where can our audience members find the book and most importantly, buy the book? Well, this is a, a book published by Ignatius Press, as the other books that I've written are published by Ignatius and can be bought by them directly. Uh, they have a website for Catholic bookstores, and these books uh, are also all available on Amazon. 
in uh, in copies and also in Kindle. They're uh, they're all available on, on Amazon. Excellent. Thank you for that, Father. So we're going to take a quick break. As I said, we're going to come right back to the front line with Joe and Joe. We're way in the breach with Father Don Haggerty discussing his new book on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, serving the New York City metropolitan area. Don't go anywhere. We're going to come right back. Listen to all five of our original Veritas shows. Every Wednesday at noon, you can catch Let Me Be Frank, where Bishop Frank Caggiano talks about spirituality, church news, and fun stories from his Brooklyn childhood and his life. You can hear The Frontline with Joe and Joe every Tuesday and Thursday at noon. Their guests include the biggest names in the Catholic world, and Joe and Joe talks to them from the perspective of the everyday Catholic. Thursday nights at 8 o'clock, tune in for the only late-night talk show on Catholic media anywhere. It's Not That Late with Liv Harrison. And at noon on Friday is Restless. It's four millennials talking about, well, life as millennials in today's crazy world. Yes, it's possible to be young and Catholic. Right after that, at 12.30, you can hear the Focus on Veritas, where we put the focus on good works and the good people doing those works. Those are the five Veritas shows, and there's more on the way. Stay up to date at VeritasCatholic.com or on the mobile app. Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Racinello. And we are in the breach with Father Don Haggerty. We're so pleased that he came back on the show to discuss his new book, St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation, that will that is available um, at Ignatius Press at Catholic bookstores. We obviously encourage our audience to support our publishers, support our local Catholic bookstores, um, not just for Father, Father's book, but for all the books that we're going to buy. Um, I think it's very important for us to do that. Uh, so with that, I am going to hand it back over to Joe Racinello, and we're going to continue this great conversation about St. John of the Cross. Father, another aspect of the book that really made me think and frankly challenged me was about personal inspirations that we could potentially get in prayer. And basically, again, if I'm incorrect in, in articulating it, please correct me, like, don't hang your hat on them, because they might not necessarily be from God. And it made me think, like, obviously, there has to be discernment, like with stuff. But again, you know, we're human, and the mind works, you know, in many different ways. And just because you get an inspiration, that doesn't necessarily mean it's from God. It could be from me. Talk about that. Uh, maybe Again, I may not be articulating it correctly, but I've never really read anything like that before because I'm just speaking personally very quick to like if I'm in adoration or I get an inspiration to, to automatically think like that's from God, but it may not be. <laughs> Well, again, John of the Cross uh, does have a, you know, a substantial section in his Ascent of Mount Carmel um, after treating faith and the effect of theological faith on the intellect and how God is beyond anything we can grasp. So then he treats this question, which he may have encountered with his uh, Carmelites, especially the Carmelite sisters, you know, he was a spiritual director, lived a quiet you know, life before, as we alluded to earlier, being kidnapped and imprisoned for, for a time by his own Carmelites. But he had much contact as a spiritual director with these you know, Carmelites. And so some of this writing then on this, on this subject comes out of that experience. And his teaching is that because God is so beyond us, you know, what we may call inspirations, okay, what, what does that mean? We have an intuition of something, a quick thought, an attractive, uh, you know, prospect in front of us, or some of that can come from God. These are graces. He's not discounting that at all. Um, he, what he was really addressing here is what you do see also in our own contemporary time, where people in a much more 
um, explicit manner may be claiming a very direct message from God. So I would say more the word message is the more problematic so that they have a sense that he spoke to them in this or he's that God has given a message or spoken you know to uh, about someone else's life to help them in some in some manner and John of the Cross he's not skeptical he's wary and cautious about this because the yes there is the one problem the imaginative life of any human person on any day can and if we get you know, into that kind of approach to God is capable of living, you know, in a way in our own world there and having the imagination perhaps deceive us somewhat. You know, not, I, I think there are great, great things, especially for young people in the charismatic movement. I'm not actually of that, of that uh, preference in my own life, but there could be dangers in, in charismatic understanding of locutions in some manner from God, of messages from God. And John of the Cross in that section of the Ascent in Mount Carmel would definitely say, be careful there, temper that thought that these things come so directly from God. One of the things he will say is just as a concrete example, a person might receive an inspiration, but misinterpret it. And the example he gives is a person may have a strong sense I've heard it from missionaries of charity that a person may have a strong sense they're going to become a martyr, that God has almost spoken this, that this person will undergo martyrdom one day. And John of the Cross says, and then it, it turns out they don't, do not become a martyr in the traditional sense of a red blood martyr. But it doesn't mean that God did not perhaps inspire that thought, but that he has led them to a different kind of martyrdom, maybe with difficulties in humiliations or disappointments or in sickness, you know, some way that isn't what the person initially um, uh, interpreted. So there's, you know, variations on that. I think, you know, again and again, we have to realize again, you know, the reality of God is mystery and he's personal. And putting those two things together is so important in spiritual life. He's very personal with us, but he's a tremendous, you know, infinite mystery in his love for us. So not to, you know, in a sense, pull him down into an easy interpretation either. Actually, that, that opens up an interesting thought. Um, obviously, we believe as Catholics that the truth, the fullness of the truth is in the church. And I believe that, and I know all of us uh, here talking now believe that and many of our listeners believe that but this idea of mystery is interesting and i want to explore it because i think sometimes and i do it and this is why i bring it up we could put god in a box we put him in a box like like because and i always said this i've taught rcia it's painting by numbers the church we follow the rubrics we listen to the catechism we listen to, to, to tradition we listen to to the encyclicals of the pope we listen and we do but god is a mystery reconcile those two ideas because uh, like i I definitely hold on to, to the fullness of the truth, but we don't figure God out like no one does. You know what I'm saying? And he can act in ways that we just can't figure out or, ever, or never will. Uh, let's talk about that a little bit. Well, that's bringing up a good point, Joe. And the, you know, the, the, our faith is not just to have correct catechism answers, no, it's true that we may be speaking the truth when we, if we um, answer as as Saint Peter answered, you know, who do you say that I am? Well, you are the Son of the Living God. You are the Messiah, the Son of the Living God. He gave the correct answer, and then when Jesus followed that answer, not only saying, Peter, you are the rock upon which I will build my church, but then he began to speak of his passion. And Peter very quickly rebuked our Lord and could not accept that. And that's an example how we could have given the correct answer, and yet actually we haven't plunged too far 
into the real mystery of, of God. And that can be in our own experience. But we should have that other awareness that this mystery is so far beyond us and maybe affecting us much more than we, we realize. You know, as an example, people who go to daily mass and receive Holy Communion every day, it's a beautiful, comforting reality of, to have that closeness with our Lord, but there might be also what's happening without our awareness. Our Lord is knocking on the door, inviting us to a deeper sense of his passion in our lives. And the reality of taking the Eucharist into our life, you know, our Lord, you know, was swallowing God himself, and he's disappearing in a manner into the depth of our being. And perhaps he's inviting us to a greater proximity, a closeness to his passion, and his desire for souls in his passion. So there, there are much deeper, you know, realities that may be present in our faith, um, that, you know, we have to, in a way, remain open and accessible to God. And I think God, you know, he takes time. He opens us as we go on through life in, in these ways. Father Don Haggerty joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. The book is St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation. Father, one of the reasons why Joe and I decided a while back to start doing our show and create this program is because not only do would we like to educate people, but we speak to um, knowledgeable people like yourself because we need to be educated. No, we, we want to deepen our faith. Um, we don't know everything and don't pretend to know everything. So along those lines, <coughs> please define a term for us, the, the term asceticism. Um, it's a Catholic practice, seems to a lot of people practice it. Many people don't. Okay, I'm 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 one of those that I, I'm I'm bad at it. Um, but how important is it to practice some level? What is it, and how important is it to practice some level of asceticism um, in the spirit to, to benefit or enhance the spiritual life? If you could enlighten our audience on that. Well, the idea of asceticism is. Uh, you know, self-denial, self-denying practices, and that goes back to the early church, and in particular, de the desert fathers who filled the deserts, you know, to the point of 10,000 monks, they think, were in Egypt and Syria, you know, in the 300, well, the 400s, 500s, and that began after there were no more persecutions, uh, martyrdoms in the Roman Empire. And the idea of asceticism is to have some, you know, discipline, some taming of our what can be easily, you know, self-indulgent habits, not necessarily sinful behavior at all, but self-indulgent habits in our bodily life. And the idea of asceticism is not that that as a cause and effect will produce, you know, higher spirituality or elevate our spirituality, but really what it does, it's a training of the will. And the will is crucial in spiritual life, that if we are simply giving into um, indulgently, you know, whatever we prefer, whatever we, we want, if, you know, it's always has to be my way, my preference, you know, what I like, well, a marriage is not going to work too well that way. Mm -hmm. um, and life doesn't work well unless we are able in some manner. Hey, and, you know, Jesus himself said in the gospel, you know, if any, if anyone wants to be my follower, let him deny his very self, take up his cross and follow in my footsteps. And the need of asceticism is, is, it doesn't mean necessarily just bodily. What do we do with, uh, our food, but also sleep, or that we're not, you know, ex just giving in to self. And what that does is it trains us to perhaps be more sacrificial, to be able to give way for something much uh, more better in, in life. I remember my father, my father, when uh, I was growing up, was part of the, the, um, 
uh, Perpetual Adoration Society in the parish out in Westbury in Long Island. And I don't think they had so many members because you don't need so many members. But I always remember that, that my father would mention, you know, he had his night of adoration once a month on a Saturday night and getting up at two o'clock or three o'clock in the morning to go out to the church for the solitary holy hour in the church. And I mentioned that at his funeral. I thought that was that, you know, I could say that's a, a type of ascetical practice, but these things can have, especially that example, great spiritual fruits. Thank you. Thank you very much for that, Father. I, I'm, you know, like I said, Joe and I seek to learn as much as, as much as we want our audience to learn something. You, you just told us something very, very valuable. Joe Resinello, where are we headed? I want to talk a little bit about the dark night of the soul. You go into that in the book. Um, obviously, uh, both of us um, are aware of the spirituality of Mother Teresa that she experienced a 40-year uh, darkness of the soul. But this was also interesting in the book that it, it, it uh, again, I'm not an expert at St. John of the Cross, and but just from what I like read, that that's not necessarily a bad thing. That in that darkness, in that groping, we actually can go very far and come very close to God. Talk about that, that because I think. A lot of times you read people talk about dryness in prayer or you don't feel God's presence. That doesn't mean he's not there. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. Um, please expand on that idea. Okay, well, you opened up a, you know, a major you know, subject in John of the Cross, which is, again, taken from one of his poems, this phrase, the dark night. And John of the Cross will um, use that, that image of the dark night for, you know, experiences that are early on in a serious spiritual life, you know, in the beginnings even of contemplative graces. The phrase, on the other hand, that you initially use, the dark night of the soul, and Mother Teresa's darkness that she apparently went through as a severe trial, that's another, you know, much more advanced um, aspect of being in the dark night, the dark night of the soul. John of the Cross will use the phrase, the dark night of the senses, uh, a more, you know, earlier, you know, difficult taxing experience that can take place in prayer, which almost anyone, everyone, you know, who is serious in prayer any Catholic, you know, who is going to mass every day or praying every day will have that experience of dryness, of, you know, feeling God a, a little bit distant or the presence isn't as sharp or not as felt as, as other times and, and undergoing, in a sense, seasons in prayer. You know, there's a winter time and then we have spring and then we're back to the heat of summer and then there's a nice cool fall. which is a doesn't you can't every saint went through that in extreme ways um saint Teresa of Lisieux apparently had something of the dark night of the soul in the last months of her with her and experiences perhaps something really in a real way of the passion of Jesus and the soul now the dark night of the soul is a very serious advance state of trial in spiritual life and we all will have experiences of, of darkness and like you said a very it's a healthy thing like almost like the analogy in sports sometimes it's it's good you you know it doesn't feel good to run you know a little harder or extra it doesn't feel good but for sure it is good for the athlete who is who's pushing themselves a little bit and there's something like that in 
the experience with God. He's taking us to further depths of faith and longing for him in our love for him as we go through some testing in the experience of the interior life. Father Don Haggerty, let me ask you this. When, you, when, when one goes to the gym to physically work out their body, obviously you put stress on the muscle, so you break down the muscle, and when it grows back, it grows back stronger. Spiritually, would you say that that's, that's analogous to, let's say, the dark night of the soul, that obviously it may be a, uh, where you feel that abandonment, but when, 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 you're, when you emerge from the dark night, then, then you're, I would assume that there, the, the benefit is that you are spiritually that much closer to God or that, that much stronger. Would I be correct in that? I mean, that's basically correct. And then there's not, you know, Ignatius of Loyola spoke of uh, his retreat and his as spiritual exercises. And there's an aspect in prayer of living, you know, spiritual exercises, not so much the dark night of the soul and the terrible trial of the, you know, advanced spiritual life, but just common, you know, difficulty in prayer sometimes distractions, you know, not feeling the presence of our Lord, and even more, you know, feeling very dry before him in praying in front of a monstrance, let's say, and, you know, persevering in prayer, the way an athlete perseveres to complete, let's say, their three or five mile run. And, you know, that does have a good effect that they persevered through this. And there's an aspect in prayer. I think God is very pleased that we want to be with him despite, you know, not experiencing an uplifted, you know, consoling uh, time of prayer. And it does have good fruits. And what it, what it ends up doing, and John of the Cross is very strong on this, we actually are emptying ourselves of ourselves. You know, when we are al allowing ourselves to persevere through what is you know, what can seem an empty, you know, experience, and yet God, then God fills that emptiness mysteriously more with himself. I think many people who pray in a serious way will find that when you have more difficult prayer, you know, surprisingly, perhaps, when you go out of prayer, there's more providential encounters taking place. And that's, that's always the sign of that God is really at work, not so much the interior experience of prayer, but how he shows the fruitfulness of prayer outside of prayer. Awesome. Father Don Haggerty joining us in the front line with Joe and Joe, handing it over to Joe Rosanello, the book, which is available at Ignatius Press, St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation. And that is the topic of discussion today here at the front line, Way in the Breach. Joe Rosanello. I want to talk a little bit about something we talked about on the other side of the break, because, again, the book kind of revealed uh, this aspect of my own spiritual life and made me think about it uh, deeply, actually, is we're not looking for feelings. You talked about spiritual experiences, and I think indirectly, at least I do, and I, and I say that specifically with confession, and I'll, I'll give this example, and then I'd love your response. I'll go to confession. And I am, a, I go regularly, uh, but to feel good. One, I should go to confession because I offend God. And two, because I'm searching for God in that encounter, not to feel good. And it is in God alone that we should search, search for. And I'm just using, I'm just telling you what I do. I'll go to confession because I want to feel good. But that's, Obviously, I am forgiven. I, I, I have contrition, but that's not a perfect contrition, and it shouldn't be about an experience or a feeling. I am. I should be yearning for God in that closest. Could you talk about that? Because uh, I think people do that. You know, like. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, and I think you know you're getting at a good point there that. The um, to be receptive to what you know, God wants to give us is important. And when we go to prayer or go to confession or the reception of communion, you know, I mentioned this in the book um, from a section of John of the Cross, that as an example, it's like what you're saying here, Joe, some people, maybe he was thinking of nuns in the Carmelites when he wrote this, that some people may go to the reception of communion almost measuring their um, 
this was a good mass or a good communion when I felt this very great intimacy with our Lord. And he, his comment on that is, that's a very mistaken um, understanding of the reception of the sacrament. That is the power of God's action on the soul, which is often unknown to us in that moment and only later, you know, will show its fruits and reveal itself. And it's true that all of us, I think, you know, all of us will go to prayer if we were asked, Lord, I would rather have a, you know, a deep experience of you that I can feel rather than the dry experience of prayer. But it's good to be, you know, accustomed over time to, Lord, I want only you, whatever you want, whatever you give. And, you know, if we come out of a confession feeling good, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we have had a good, you know, we've had the experience of the sacrament. A divine act has touched our soul when that when the priest prays the absolution. So that's okay, but we don't want to go there. As you said, well, Joe, we don't want to go there with that purpose in mind. I go there for that, you know, nice taste of relief, you know, that uh, like taking a good shower or bath in that moment and spiritually. So that we're doing things for the sake of really delighting God as much as we can and seeking that closeness to him. Father Don Haggerty, let me ask you this. I probably have time for, for one more question. Um, you mentioned earlier about your, your father and his um, how he would go to adoration once a month. Uh, we're in this right now. I don't need to tell you, Father. Um, and I really like for you to talk to our audience about this with a couple of minutes we have left. We're looking, it seems, in the wrong place, even as Catholics in America, for, for po either a political messiah or, you know, Elon Musk just took over Twitter. So now he's the new messiah. Somehow, like, this is supposed to save us in some way. Talk about the need to remember, although those things are realities and, and we, we have to deal with those things as Catholics, talk about the need to remember who the Savior is and where we can meet him, particularly in um, deepening our devotion to sit in front of the Blessed Sacrament as, as often as we can, to sit in front of Jesus and listen to him in, in that silence. Well, you said it very well, Joe. And the, you know, all this worldly thing that's around us, and we live in a, in a dark world right now, and, you know, very uncertain, and we don't know what even the months, the years will bring. But the real reality is of God. And the more people that take, you know, catch hold of this importance of seeking real personal time with God, and the best way, you know, yes, to pray before the Blessed Sacrament, not just for a private experience, but realizing that that does, you know, in a sense, thrust us out to a greater generosity in life. We're carrying faith then into the world, you know, without even trying, you know, we're, we're becoming vessels of greater faith in, in, in the world. So my sense of it too, is that your listeners, you know, not just priests and religious, but that the more we really plunge into a greater commitment in prayer, this is going to have effects Yes, on our personal life, our families, but on the world. The more prayer that it is real and turning to God, we give God a chance then to be more active in this world. Absolutely. I, I, think, I think that's a good thing. Joe, you were about to ask. We have about a minute left. A, a friend of ours who's a Carmelite, uh, Father Justin Seminante, said Ador uh, adoration is radiation. And it's like when you're in front of the sun, you get a suntan, when you sit in front of the Lord, his radiating love shines upon you. Talk a little bit about that, because again, we sometimes just want that feeling, but he's working. You're standing in front of him, and you're going to come away with a proverbial tan. Father, we have about a minute left. Okay. Well, I mean, I think it's, and it's not a passive thing necessarily. It's not passive that we, we just sit there and God, you know, will do his work. But, you know, this effort and the desire to remain attentive, John of the Cross likes this phrase to have a, a loving attention toward God, you know, not filling ourselves with, it's hard sometimes to be praying and not have distraction. But certainly, if we're in the presence of our Lord, 
this is real. He is looking with a gaze of love on our life and is bound to be effects from that, you know, mysteriously drawing us to what, what he wants, you know, more in our lives. That's a great place to end it, Father Don Haggerty. The book is St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation, the author, Father Donald Haggerty. Father, where again can our audience members buy the book? This is uh, published by Ignatius Press, as my other books were, and would be available from them directly. Or Catholic bookstores, hopefully, are carrying it. And it's also available on Amazon and also in Kindle on Amazon. Father Don Haggerty, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Um, very, very enlightening, inspiring conversation. So we really want to thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Joe. And thank you, Joe, also. Really appreciate it. And thank you all for joining us out there at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. Please be sure to download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app so that you can have access to all of our station's content. And please follow Joe and I, if you don't mind, on social media. Um, you can find us on YouTube at the Frontline TV, the Frontline TV, like, subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff. And our website, if you'd like to support us at the TheFrontlineTV.com, the TV.com. And remember until the next time that our conversation is your conversation and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.